I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Todd Warner-Moore. I'm a singer-songwriter, and this is You Haven't Heard This Music Podcast. Hello and welcome once again to an exciting, fun-packed edition of You Haven't Heard This Music Podcast. A podcast about lesser-known music and lesser-known artists and lesser-known presenters and everything, really. Um, so, here in the studio, uh, I'm, I'm Neil, by the way. Here in the studio, I have to my immediate left, Richard. Say hello, Richard. G'day. And to my oh, far left, I have Wayne. Hello. And on the line, all the way from... Remind me of the name China. of your... China. Hong Kong. It's, <laughs> we, we, we have our special guest, Todd Warner-Moore. Hello, Todd. Hi, guys. How are you? Yeah, we're all right. Man. We're Thanks. good. We're good. We're not four o'clock in the morning, so we're all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very yeah. time early. difference. So uh, Todd has graciously, graciously agreed to uh, humor us. <laughs> Uh, record at nine o'clock our time, which is four a.m. his time. Thank, thank you. Yes, Tom. yes. Thank you're you're welcome. Appreciated. So, what can we expect for tonight's show? As always, we have five rounds of thrilling entertainment. We start with our head-to-head round, where we will uh, we will each bring uh, each of the team members will bring a, a song which we pit against each other to determine who will who will have the best song of the week. What's going to happen? Who knows? <laughs> it is exciting. We then bounce on to our hidden masterpiece round where Todd will be bringing a, um, a lesser-known song by a famous artist. What, um, what are you bringing as your hidden masterpiece for us, Todd? I'm doing a Beatles song, actually, but so really none of them are hidden. But it's Tomorrow Never Knows, which I think is one of the greatest songs of all time, but it's not really on their playlists or anything. Okay. Very good. So we'll, we'll get into more of that later. We then have our Forgotten Classic round, which again will be brought by uh, our guest as always. What, what uh, Forgotten Classic have you got for us, Todd? These are all old ones. I'm doing Prince, Sign of the Times. It's just a little uh, dated, some of the lyrics, but, you know, it was Mm. bigger back in its time. Very good. And then we have, uh, warning, you might want to shield your ears for this, my favourite round, the Intense Hardcore Genre Musical Challenge Mode Go! A round where a member of the team is challenged to bring music of an obscure genre. I was challenged with Bluegrass Punk this time round, and I have brought the song Freak Flag by Granny Four Barrel. 
And then we will end, as always, with our artist spotlight round, where Todd will uh, present his uh, latest song, which I believe is an exclusive that hasn't even been released yet. Is that the case? That is the case, yes. What's the name of the song you're bringing, Todd? Starry Sounds. It's the name of the album, too. And, yeah, it's the opening song on the album. Excellent. So, without further ado, let us move on to our head-to-head challenge. Head-to-head! Doggy to doggy. Look, and I believe... I believe I um I won last week, did I not? You did now. So uh, I won last week, did I not? The scores on the board at the moment are five to myself, five to Rich, and three to Neil. Two on the bounce, it was Neil. Yeah, he's catching up. So it is. Uh, it, 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 I should go first, should I? Yes. You should. You should. You should. Yes. 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 So um, my song, this this uh, this episode, is by Jay Stansfield, and the song is Waltzing In. Enjoy. This is a song about a broken relationship Sitting in the middle of thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds worth of debt Contemplating suicide There's the strength of a woman behind you Carve your name into my
So that was Waltzing In by uh, Jay Stansfield. Yes, so this is my submission this week. I like it a lot. It's one of the songs, as always, that's been sent in to us. What was it about this sort of singled it out to me? Funny story, really, because Rich has started... Rich basically takes all of these submissions that you lovely people have been sending in to us, and he forwards them on to me and Wayne. But what he started doing, he's putting a little caption in the subject field of the email when he forwards them on. So it might be something like, uh, oh, this one's for Neil, or this one's for Wayne, or this is utter dog shit, or we'll all like this one. And um, his caption for this this particular track was, I don't even know what to do with this, or I don't even know what this is. So that got my attention straight away. I thought, this is going to be right up my alley. So I stuck it on and had a listen. And yes, it was a little bit unusual, but I like unusual. I like weird, I like quirky, and I like this mm-hmm. a lot. It kind of, it put me in mind of a weird hybrid between sort of the Smiths and a very sort of early Sid Barrett era Pink Floyd. In fact, I actually emailed Jay Stansfield, mentioned that we're going to be playing his uh, his song on the podcast and that I liked it. And I did say, is there a Sid Barrett influence in there? Do what did he say? Did he, did he hear it? He said, he said, oh, there might be. Okay. Yes. They're very ambiguous. <laughs> But, uh, but, but yeah. there wasn't, but there is now. There, yeah, <laughs> he, he, he kind of, he, he's going to start saying that to all of his gigs now, isn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like I, I mean, he starts off with that kind of spoken word bit, you know, the really sort of strained. This is a broken. This is a song about a broken relationship, and it kind of it's like the musical equivalent of hitting you over the head with a blunt instrument. It's really like um, <laughs> it, it kind of straight away. There's no, there's no escaping what this song's about. It's, it's there. It's laid out in front of you, and then it sort of blends seamlessly into the song itself. Uh, and I like all the sort of experimental stuff, the musicality of the song. There's, there's some lovely bits in, like over the chorus. There's kind of like a hand drum that, that sort of it feels like it shouldn't belong there, but it works. And the lasers at the end, absolutely incredible. I just, um, yeah, I just love the song. So. Um, what, what did you think, Rich? What did I think? Hmm. Neil, I'm going to start putting things like, this song is so good, Neil will hate it, in the titles from now on. Because I swear to God, he's bringing these songs just to, just to spite me. No, you, you, your comment got my initial attention. I did genuinely like the song. See, I've sent some with, this one's for Neil, Neil will love this one. He's completely ignored them and gone for the one that says, not sure what to do with this. That's, that's, that's Neil, though. That's <laughs> but anyway, this song, it's so fucking strange. Is it bad? No, I don't I, I don't think it's bad. It's, it's just so, so different. It's like you've got this weird, almost depressing message with a lullaby playing in the background, it's 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 almost it almost feels sadistic. It feels like something. To, uh, what's his David Firth would write for one of his cartoons, like Salad oh, Fingers. Salad Fingers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fingers. But yeah, I think it's fantastic, Wayne. Uh, I really don't know what to make of this because there's bits of it I think are brilliant, and there's bits of it that throw me for a loop, and I go, I don't know what he's doing here. On reflection of listening to it again. He's definitely got influences from the streets. Yeah. And I hadn't picked that up before, you know. There's definitely Mike Skinner influence in there. Mm. This with the vocal, uh, the spoken vocal. You know, he's quite broken. And I understand that because the song is about being broken, you know. And there's bits in, like I said, there's bits in it which I think are really, really good. And there's bits in it I think are really, really bad. I'm I'm not going to lie and say it's all sunshine and roses, it's not. What has he done that intentionally? I don't know. 
I really like, know. You know, we, 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 we talk a lot about the sincerity of a song and how believable it is, and I, I completely believe every word he sings. Again, I'm completely down the middle. There's bits of it I believe, and there's bits of it I don't. You know, and, and it's a complete black and white song for me. So this, I'm, is the, the, I'm, this is what I think is... Bit, but when I listen to it again and again, I, I feel that maybe he's done that intentionally. It's like a flawed message, and he's portrayed it with a... Yeah. Slightly flawed song because he's he obviously knows his stuff about music. He he's does not sound stupid. very fragile. He on does the song the, very see, fragile and broke. That, that's a plus and a minus at the same time for me because I don't I don't get it and it's just not for me. I don't like I say I don't think he's bad. Well, like, I'm in agreement with Rich. He doesn't think he's bad and I don't. I, I'm somewhere in between. I don't. I don't really know. And it's not something you're gonna stick on stick on in the background just for a nice bit of pleasant music. That's a lot of art is being able to put yourself out there and kind of expose yeah. yourself. What do you think, Todd? Right. You give us your two penny thing. Yeah, well, I just, wanna, just before you carry on, Todd, I just want to point out that you're one of us tonight. So if you want to interject or anything, you're like you're the fourth host. So if you want to say something, just get straight in there. I well, it's it's difficult with you know very vulnerable emotions. I guess the question is, would you rather have some kind of Muzak-type music in the background that doesn't affect you, or on the ex- other extreme, you have music that, you know, really affects you almost too much, you know, you see, in an I uncomfortable like way? Music. I like music that causes me pain. But, and then, yeah, it's difficult. Um are you trying to when you when you make music like that, uh, or, or you know, I've had many songs that are, you know, very uh, emotional. Um, in, in the process, there can be kind of a purging that can help you and the listener too. But what did you think of the song? <laughs> I, I'm like you guys. I don't know either. You know, I, that's the problem when you when you review some of these songs, you have to listen to them. You know, multiple times. Sometimes there. I've listened to it multiple times, and I'm still, I'm still no wiser now than when I first listened to it. Yeah. I've listened to it multiple really? times. I love it every, a little bit more every time. <laughs> Music is subjective. It really is. Mm. Mm. Well, and that's yeah. okay, so that, that's a success then. You know, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah there's uh, definitely a group of people out there that are gonna love this, but I don't think they're gonna be many. I think if you can't put your finger on it, though, that's a that's it, yeah, that's a moderate was, success, right? Is it? It was interesting. It was never boring. <laughs> I'll give it that. It's like uh, Michael Jackson became who he was because he was his music was easy to understand. It was but what it, it was. Depends on your definition but, of success. That's true. That's true. Oh, this podcast has just gone deep. <laughs> <laughs> so our next artist. <laughs> yeah, so we moving swiftly along. Um, who wants to go next? Wayne. Wayne's nice, go- me. Yeah. So I'm going next, Neil, with my song from Harvest Blake and Co. And it's their song, Relief. <laughs>
Winner's circle somehow it's going to figure eight. The addict, more focus and get them figures straight. Measure for man ain't all about a fan base. Free base and sugar high so the crash is all they chase. What goes up might give you all the little taste. And if your dumps is full of fantastic thing to waste. Finance use a full ride to brush the paint away. Cause it don't make sense, shadow boxing in the shade. Dreams have been reached, my strength, my cleats. We sputtering heat, we upgrade, try to be steep. Being a thief, definitive with speech. Unlimited seems derivative, overcomes new, catch the feeling. It's me, every syllable, every line, every rhyme. A lazy boy with a laptop still can't recline. And when I die, bury me in B&D comics. Pay homage to the kid that lived inside, yeah. To the kid that lived inside, huh, yeah. And still we thrive like, and still we ride like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we found relief in these pages. Wars wage on low wages, seek the master's throne. Uh, I escape in these days, I run away, and all I ask is that you never leave me alone. Yeah, we found relief in these pages. Wars wage on low wages, seek the master's throne. I escape in these days, I run away, and all I ask is that you never leave me alone. No, never leave me alone. No, never leave me alone. All that I'm after, the aftermath, I try, let the upper tapper relapse the bad habits. Coping with congested patterns, develop patterns, new ideas, need a time to heal. Time reveals brains gotta sound like brain batters, splatter doctor movies, wearing pajamas. Gets the soul train smashing the cameras, while the chairman of the boilers pass you. And no, I'm not your cattle, nor the head on your mantle. Pin release a crack without titans for clashing. Emperor's new clothes, not the same old fashion. Took my passion to a world of scene, called us an icebox. Pickles of me more in a pine box, on that two face, yeah, Harvey Denton. In the same spot, Harley Denton. Raise the on the bloodsuckers, nonsense since the beginning. Yeah, nonsense since the beginning. Hey, uh, but we still winning like. We still winning like. We found relief in these pages. Wars wage on low wages. Seek the master's throne. I escape in these days and run away. And all I ask is that you never leave me alone. We found relief in these pages. Wars wage on low wages. Seek the master's throne. I escape in these days and run away. And all I ask is that you never leave me alone. No, no, no. Never leave me alone, no, no, never leave me alone, no, never leave me alone, no, never leave me alone.
So that was Harvest Blake and Co. With their song Relief. I like this song, of course. That's why I brought it. It was quite refreshing for me. I'm not a hippity-hoppity fan in any sense of the word. I do like the Beastie Boys. They were one of my favourite bands back in the day. But that's that's as far as it goes. This this was this was refreshing. I love this. I love their utilisation of the jazz. Incorporating it in their music along with the rap. I thought it was refreshing and nice. Usually rap it comes with those overproduced beats they're just full of bass and full of synth and mm-hmm. and it, it, it just it's just too much and it just sounds too it just it's too much computer going on this it was organic and his use of the rap flowed beautifully with it and it was just nice to hear it was completely different you know fusing rap with hip-hop jazz fusion but in a way that i i've never heard it before it was absolutely beautiful and they're so Lesser known, it's unbelievable. What what did what did you think, Todd? Oh, I liked it. I liked the whole vibe, and like you said, it's it's not necessarily just the artificiality sometimes of some of these songs. Um, this the the vibe itself was very um, easygoing and very refreshing, and the the person's voice didn't seem at all out of place with the music. They seemed to feed off of each other, you know, in a very organic way. So I think I agree with you. I like the the vibe was very very. Very, um, very laid back. You know, nothing was harsh about it. No sharp angles, you know. Yes, I like that. It was smooth. And it didn't have a nasty message, which usually comes with hip-hop, you know. N-words here and bitches there and... But again, that's a stereo. You want to be careful about that, too, though, because there's plenty that doesn't do that. No, I know. But um, generally, we get a lot of submissions... I mean, a lot Mm -hmm. of submissions. Yeah. And most of... I would say 80% of the hip-hop we get... (laughs) I have to throw away because of their use of language. And I think, I think we've said before, hip-hop has become a bastardised version of what it was intended to be in the beginning. You know, it was meant to be right. like a spoken word, you know, based around poetry. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be kind of beautiful, you know, with a, right. with a deep and meaningful message. But there's that... And the thing is, <laughs> hip-hop, hip-hop, most music evolves I find or right. it breaks down and comes back better than it was before I feel like hip hop has devolved um, no because the because the industry gets a hold of it and then all they want are I was only talking to Richard uh, violence and drugs yeah. the, the industry wants that because that will sell you know? Yeah, but so. it, it's yeah, yeah. We were, no, it, it escaped Rich its got message. Yeah. Rich has got an absolute message. hatred for eighties synth, and I keep telling him mm-hmm. to listen to early eighties synth because I think what he thinks about eighties synth is like eighty five onwards. When well, actually, the, when we'll wait in- till that's forgotten classic, and we'll talk about that then. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. It's not eighties synth though. No, it's not. Well, no, it's not. <laughs> was it 80s or 70s? 80s, not 87. It's Prince. Who, who do you mean? Who's 80s synth? Okay, we'll go. We'll talk about it. Prince. Then. Yeah, don't worry about it. Prince. We'll come back to that. We're talking about uh, yeah. <laughs> Harvest. Harvest. Blade. We digress. Harvest. Yes. Anyway, yes. So, so you like the song? Oh, I. You guys are talking. Yeah, I liked it. You guys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so Wayne. Uh yeah, this is fucking brilliant, isn't it? It really is. It really is something else. You know, it's it's mixing like Duke Ellington and Count Basie type vibes. Okay. With the hip hop mm-hmm. that I actually like, which is, you know, like mid eighties to mid nineties. That sort of where you can understand what they're saying. They're not mumbling. There's there's no aggressive message like you say. It's it's music. That's what it is. It's music. And this is just it's music. That, yeah. That, <laughs> That brilliant jazz that goes right the way through. You know, it's a Sunday afternoon vibe of that jazz mixed with that. It's brilliant. It, it, that's all it's, I've got. That's all I've got. It's, it's coffee brilliant. house jazz with some unoffensive hip hop. 
yeah. overlaying the top of it. Mm. Neil. Mm-hmm. Right. I when I first when I first listened to this song, I thought I was going to struggle with it. <laughs> I, reason being is that I you know I like to think I'm quite broad-minded in the genres of music that I can listen to and appreciate. But there are a couple of genres that I really struggle with. I, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of jazz. <laughs> I knew it was coming. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> no, I, I, I appreciate the musicality of jazz. I, for me, it doesn't do anything for me. Another, another genre I, I'm not a big fan of is rap. And, and I kind of listened to this and I actually thought Richard brought this song just to annoy me. But then as I listened to it, and I listened to it a few times, it kind of really grew on me. Uh-huh. And it strangely worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the only thing I can liken it to is uh, years ago, me and a group of friends used to get together for a breakfast on a Saturday morning. We always used to bring some items and cook them up. I think it was at a church, you know, just, just, just cook some, you know, do a big fry up. And somebody always used to turn up with a tin of haggis. Fred! Fred turned up with oh, a yeah, tin Scotsman of haggis. Oh yeah, Scotsman with a tin of haggis, yeah, yeah. And it was, it, was, it was absolutely vile, this haggis. And then one day we discovered that if you mixed it with a tin of tomato, put it in the microwave for a minute, tomatoes are very bland on their own and the haggis was just vile. I actually but, remember that. But if you mix them together, it, it kind of some weird chemical reaction took place and it, it turned spicy. I don't know where that came from, but this, this is kind of what happened with this song. I feel it's like the jazz Two and the hip-hop. made a right. The jazz, the hip-hop and the rap all became spicy and interesting and vibrant and wow. I enjoyed it. There you go. That's so, so on that. <laughs> two pieces of music that Neil hates, two in Neil's eyes, Two wrongs <laughs> made a right is what happened there. It is. Wow. Wow. Were you going to say something then, uh, Tom? Sorry. Tom, who's Tom? Uh, no, uh, I was just listening. Yeah, sometimes you need all the independent parts that you don't like, and somehow they make something. It's beautiful. Really it's good. what it is. He's going to go microwave some haggis and tomatoes now. Oh, it's not a microwave. <laughs> I mean, you can't even get haggis it's, it's... over there in Hong Kong, can you? No. No, I, you probably could. You can get anything in Hong Kong. Can't even get haggis sure. in England. There's, to be some, there's some market you could find haggis. But, oh wait, no, I don't think you can uh, import that, right? You, I don't think you can import anything like that from England, right? I, I wouldn't. Say I'm so. not sure. All sorts of, yeah. Mm. I don't know, but they probably make their right. own. <laughs> yeah. So uh, <laughs> Wayne Song, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. So, yes. <laughs> You've got one as well, haven't you? Yes. So <laughs> I, I am bringing a band called Odysseys and their song Mirrors. Enjoy.
right, so that was my song Mirrors by Odyssey from their album mm-hmm. Odd Behaviour from uh, this year. They currently have 95 monthly listeners on Spotify. They are John Corbin, Paul Dirico, Mark Pangil... Pangil... Gillianath. Oh, I had some of that mm-hmm. tea Wow, that's a hell of a name, that is. And Christian uh, Trayon. Uh, they're from Boston, Massachusetts. This is one of the many. The, these guys sent their submission back in April, and it took me till now to get around bringing them to the show. I absolutely love these guys. I absolutely love their album. It is brilliant. It is shoegazy, and it is quite transcendent. Laid back, brilliance. Very puts me in the mind of Tame Impala and Metronomy. Those sort of bands. Really well mm-hmm. done. Really well worked. And I absolutely bloody loved it. It's it's recorded with this dreamlike brilliance. So much reverb. Love it, absolutely love it, love. It sounded like it was recorded in the tunnel. What's up with you, Ren Rich? How do you feel about this song? I actually like this one. I, everything about it shouts that I shouldn't, which is why I think you keep bringing these fucking songs. But this one... We only bring songs to spite you, don't we, Rich? This, this one I surprisingly liked. I, I think there was too much reverb. I think the, the vocals got lost in the mix some of the times because of that. On the whole, I did enjoy it, yeah. Todd, mm. what's your thoughts? Yeah, I liked it. It did, it did remind me of... I guess Tame and Paula, but they're also borrowing from some of those, you know, late '80s sounds. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I did. I, I think it's, it's. God, who's it like? I mean, kind of like maybe <laughs> Julian, Julian Cope, or uh, I don't know if you guys even know these guys, but there were, um, there were a bunch of bands like that. And and I guess part of the style is kind of washing out the the voice, whereas the voice isn't front and center. It's kind of part of this whole ambient feeling um, that you would put on the stereo in the background, but. Yeah, I, I think it was. I think it was really well done. I think again, like putting the voice back in the mix is is is, is intentional. Yeah, I agree. Because it's kind of doing the same thing over and over, and it's kind of putting a trance on you, kind of. You know, that's what. It, at least with that, it seems like a repetition. Then, it? it stops being well, a voice, and then it just becomes a sound. That's the entire point. Well, what is the voice? Does the voice always the have voice to be is front and to center? Portray a message, you? isn't it? But if you can't More hear than... the message because it's lost in the mix. What is the point in the voice? You, you, well you just hear it in... subliminally. It infiltrates your soul. We've mentioned him at well. some point tonight. Um, Ian Curtis from Joy Division. Oh, yes. It puts me in mind. Yeah, I was going to say Joy Division, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of, right. Yeah, that um, sort of sound. That sort of, you know, the shoegaze where, where that sort of stuff. You always get Joy Division from it, but darker. But, darker but Joy Division 2, still, the, the voice is still kind of just this integral element of the music. It's not necessarily out front. You know, yeah. and that's kind of interesting. Yeah, but you know what they're singing. Yeah, but it's, it's joining the orchestra of the, of the band. That's what it's doing. It's becoming mm-hmm. an instrument rather than a, fo- a focal point. I agree. I agree. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But with Joy Division, you still know what that what that instrument is saying. Not always. I think no. Uh, I think, yeah, I think I, you I, do. Yeah, hang on a second. That's I, I'm going to go with the fact of that Joy Division was probably the, one of the first bands to try that to to you mm-hmm. know. Push the push it back. There was a boundary pushing moment. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was what it was meant to be, and it was probably down to producers and engineers who brought his sound up in the mix. He brought his voice up in the mix. You know, he wasn't he didn't want to be a full on front man. He was part of a band. That's what Ian Curtis was. So I think mm-hmm. in that oh my god oh god we're, we're really philosophical tonight. Don't we? It's we your are, fault, Todd. This yeah. is it's completely well, no, but, <laughs> but if, if but if you listen to like early REM, Michael Stipe's voice is way back, and when they were yeah. a college band, yeah. his voice. Is way back in the mix and then later they move it forward to make them an accessible arena band I still go back to listening to the earlier ones I where his voice is, his yeah, voice is way back in the mix stuff like that. you know mm. it was yeah. right
Right. From from Green on, they pushed his voice way out. Yeah. Maybe to make him more accessible. You know, they got signed to Warner Brothers. But those early ones, I, I think it's great. His voice is way back there, and it's really mysterious. You know, you're not really sure what's going on. to to listen as well. You have to pay more mm-hmm. attention to the song. It's when Michael Stipe had hair, right. isn't it, then? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that when he had hair. In his mouth a lot of the time. That's what my fault is saying. First time I ever the saw hair, Michael It's yeah. like, you watch Space Out to the Boy. I saw them a few, yeah. He had hair and big eye makeup, you know, big eyeliner. (laughs) Who's the character? A crush with eyeliner. (laughs) Looking at me for a while. The person on the Bible got his hair cut off and lost all his hair. Samson. Yeah. Marcus Stoyp lost his hair and lost it. Lost his completely his missed my REM pun. Sorry? Yeah, sorry, no, carry on. You mentioned again. the REM. I said, mentioned the eyeliner. I said, was it a crush with eyeliner? Uh, yeah, that's completely gone out of their head because they're not REM. I got it. I got it. I got it. I just didn't care. But, but by, the time crush, but by the time Crush came out, the eyeliner was gone, though, because yeah, that was on the green one. Uh, go on, Neil. What's your thoughts on this? Um, well, yeah, it's, yeah very, very Joy Division. I, mean, I love Joy Division, and I'm, I was getting a lot of that from it, but, but darker. I think I almost got. So there was sort of a very sort of harsh sort of soft metal sound going on. I kind of thought it, it, it was almost as if the um, New Order decided to stop being New Order, become the Joy Division again, but employed Trent Reznor as a lead singer. That's a good... Oh, that's, wow. Yeah. Yeah. What, wow. Was, what was the group Pete Burns was in? Talking Heads. No, no, no. Oh, Red or Dead. Red or Dead, yeah. This reminds you of Red or Dead. The, not, the, not, the, not music, the, the, the kind of... Um, no, I'm thinking of David vo- Burns, sorry, that's the, what I'm thinking of. Yeah, the, yeah, Red or... Is it Red or Dead? Red or Dead is Spin Me Round. You spin yeah. me right round. It reminds me of right, that, right, that, that, round, that, yeah. that group. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't getting that. If you'd have said Talking Heads, I'd consider that. Yeah, when you listen to that song, though, you only think of Spin Me Right Round. They, they did a lot of other stuff. Yeah, because I only know that, to be honest. Yeah. So, so, yeah, overall, I liked it. Yes, well done, Neil. <laughs> good save. <laughs> good. <laughs> what do you mean, good save? Honestly, listen to some of their other stuff, and you'll understand what I'm, I'm saying. I'm not going to. They were a good group. <clears throat> And that's the kind of group that I usually hate. So, can we break up this argument in the studio for the moment, just just, just to bring um, just to bring the verdict? I've made myself bleed over this fucking song. I made myself bleed earlier because the poster bleed. fell off the wall, and I decided to try and nail it back into the wall with a big plank of wood, but I, I missed and hit my fingers. Oh it was quite gosh. comical, but I, I did bleed quite profusely. It's, <laughs> it's, it's stopping there. Anyway, so uh, moving on to the all important verdict. Who is your favourite? the three submissions what was your favorite song this uh, this week Todd it's so hard because you guys give these completely different genres we yeah. are non-genre specific no it's not you know we put across like a competition it's not a competition like oh this song's better than all the others it's not it's just your personal favorite really he'll, yeah. he'll soon change his attitude if he wins though yeah absolutely you can all go and fuck yourselves <laughs> from me what I would say is if a song gives me kind of this something happens in my mind beyond the song you know this feeling this kind of like alchemy that gets going this kind of magic where I'm still thinking of the song afterwards that song would be Relief by Harvest Black you know I, I, I just like the vibe stays with me after I listen to it I can't argue with that it is a fucking brilliant song no, that is, makes perfect sense yeah so no, uh, I, I, I agree well, so, so, so the, the scores <laughs> even though it's not a competition really. it's not a competition even though it's not <laughs> <laughs> now, now standard 6-5-3 to you yeah. put a mark on the board Rich Oh, sure. Congratulations, so, Richard. Well done, Neil, Richard. Can you put a yes, mark on the board for me? Thank you, mate. Yes. Thank can you, you introduce the next round while I do that? Okay, so the next round is our... Jeez, that was a long round. So the next round is our... <laughs> it's because of me. The <laughs> <laughs> 
What is your hidden masterpiece? Uh, just remind us, Todd. Well, Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles. It's the closing song on Revolver. And Revolver itself was somewhat different, you know, for the times. But then it ends on it ends on Tomorrow Never Knows, which is just comes from another world, which was actually the first song they made for that album. But they ended up putting it at the end. It's all in one chord. It's all in E. And it's got, you know, these tape loops. It's a John Lennon song, but Paul McCartney's introducing all these tape loops and these crazy things going on. And it's all kind of written around the Tibetan Book of the Dead um, after uh, John Lennon was introduced like by works by Timothy Leary. And so it's quite interesting. This was their second half of their um, Beatles phase, if you like, because they had two parts, didn't they, really? They had the, when they went to, was it India, you said earlier, Neil? Yeah. They went to India, and then they came back mm-hmm. like a completely different band. I think this, right. this was their second part, wasn't it? And you can, you yeah, can almost... You can almost hear that those Indian influences within the song as well. Right, there's a sitar going on. It's it's the introduction into that whole different world. Supposedly in in Haight Asbury in San Francisco, people would just be spinning that song, you know, over and over in the records stores because people just hadn't heard that before. It was also kind of a Beatles nod to the '60s and the psychedelia. You know, like people grew up with the Beatles, and suddenly you come to that song. And the 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 lyrics, I think, are just incredible. I mean, it's um, the, listen to the color of your dreams. It is not leaving. And uh, you may see the meaning of within it is being. And then or it says, so play the game existence to the end of the beginning of the beginning. So it's the end of the beginning. It's a circle. And uh, I'm not sure if John Lennon, I guess he did know what he was but writing about. But I, I think it's just absolutely uh incredible song to be to yeah. be prepared john lennon was a genius this is the a good example of the kind of song that split beatles fans i think because you had obviously mm-hmm. the earlier fans who would love the beatles for their i want to hold your hand and that kind right. of and then, then suddenly you've got this and it's right. like what the f- it, I definitely yeah. prefer the psychedelic. I, I, don't give me, I, I love but, both. I love both. I, I, love, I love both, but I definitely but, prefer. But this I, era. I was ten years old, and I discovered my Beatles, uh, my dad's Beatles albums, and he didn't even tell me about them. I just liked them because of the covers. And I remember playing this song, basically destroying his record on my Fisher Price, <laughs> my blue little plastic <laughs> thing, and I just listened to this song over and over and over. And I was a ten-year-old kid. You know, well, I don't you know. say that about the Beatles. My my first introduction to the Beatles was also exactly the same as you, yourself through uh, my dad's albums but mm-hmm. I can't say it was because of the covers because the only album he had was the White Album <laughs> well <laughs> I know but then maybe you projected what you wanted onto that White maybe, surface maybe but I remember listening to the White Album because we did that we had two decks in the house and yeah. it was even as a young I think I was probably about around about the same age as yourself but it, it was quite mm-hmm. eye opening mm-hmm yeah, yeah really because again it's like I said earlier kind of create those songs kind of create this imagination that goes on after you listen to the song you know and they, they keep at least they keep carrying on in my mind you know yes and yeah. you know what you see, like when I first heard it and I was living with, living with you Neil at the time when I first heard number nine um, number nine revelation number, number nine, nine. <laughs> no, yeah. when you first yes. hear it you think what the f-? you know it's just absolutely <laughs> ridiculousness but the more you you listen to it 
the more it starts to get into your soul and start to speak to you. Right. I, you know, and I think it's, it's one of those songs that I I, the Beatles, they, they were so, became so deep and they started to speak to people on an individual level. It's like some mm-hmm. of their songs will speak to me different to how they might speak to you or Neil. But right. a story about Revolution Number 9. I had a work colleague who was a massive Beatles fan. He's in a Beatles tribute band, actually. He played keyboards. Called and, Oasis. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Called, um, yeah, he, he, he played uh, bass and keyboards. He brought this little Casio keyboard into work. I think we did this fundraising day or something. So his contribution was he turned up with his keyboard and he said he would perform any Beatles song anybody picked, pick any, any song you wanted. And if for any reason he couldn't, uh, basically you had to donate a pound to this charity if you were uh, if you picked a song for him. If, however, he couldn't mm-hmm. play the song, he would donate ten pounds to the charity. So straight away, I hit him with Revolution. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> very good. And he just then. looked at me and right, right, that's the first ten pounds in the kit. <laughs> Yeah, Harry. Harry, did he? He should have at least tried to play it. But I don't know he, he didn't do even it. attempt it. How would you try to play that on the Casio? How could you play Number that on the Casio keyboard? Number nine. Yeah, I know that would be difficult. Yeah, Wayne, you sat, you sat there on you. you what you looking up information? No, I was just trying to ascertain if this is a hidden masterpiece or not. Yeah, it is. I um, think it is. We we, we get ahead of ourselves. Or? Yeah, sorry, carry on, Wayne. What do you think? Yeah, it's an overlooked masterpiece, isn't it? Now, I've got this feeling, Watch, I love watching music documentaries, and I'm sure that I've watched a music documentary about, uh, what's the name of the Beatles producer? George Martin. George, George, George Martin. Martin. Yeah, um, talking mm-hmm. about how they came across songs and how it worked out and all the rest of it. And I'm pretty sure, I'm saying it now I'm not sure, but I'm, it was a song, I'm sure it's this song or something like it, and it's like they were all going out for the weekend, the Beatles were going home from Abbey Road, and George Martin was saying, well, what, how do you want this to sound? You know, And, he, mm-hmm. and George Harrison turned around and said... George Martin? George, yeah, George Martin is the producer. Didn't and George Harrison is the guitar player, singer. Yeah, George Harrison's... Sorry. They're different so, George Martins. Yeah. Sorry. So George Harrison said... George Martin said to George Harrison, how do you want this to sound? And he said, I want it to sound like a alpaca screaming off the top of a Tibetan mountain. <laughs> and that's how they came about the sound. But I'm not sure if it's this song or a different one, but it's... Yeah. That, it makes sense to me that it would be this song. I've just been reading that... It must that, have been uh, so high when you thought yeah. of that. Like, what did your song to sound like? Um... No, yeah, I've just I've just read what I've just read that George uh, the John Lennon also said that he wanted the song to have a Tibetan a Tibetan Buddhist ceremony vibe. You know the, the chakra, right? Constant. That's that's where Yoko y- Yoko Ono started to come in and ruin the band. <laughs> You're breaking up the band. I don't Yoko. think You're she was. Up the band, she, was Yoko. she wasn't in at this point though. This is just the beginning. And this like is, I said earlier, it's, it's yeah. one chord. It's E the whole time. It's amazing. It's just one this chord. Is, uh, two years before they went to the Maharashtra. Uh, the Maharashtra um, mm-hmm. retreat in India this is so they went in 1968 so this is two years before that so you can see so this was still in. the first half of their um... yeah this is the first this is wow the, this, this is, is probably after... the point where it changed this yeah, is after this is, this is, right exactly yeah. this is the turning point point. and yeah. like I said this is quite a crucial song then really like I said also I watched a documentary in the 60s they were this is where the Beatles officially said it's on to the 60s everybody was waiting everybody grew up with the Beatles and suddenly they heard this and the 60s just you know 
erupted. Uh, exploded. Yeah, yeah, you know. I was uh, I was just amazed to see because I, I don't know why. Because I think I put Yellow Submarine on an album that is Yellow Submarine. I didn't realize Yellow Submarine is on the Revolver album. Wasn't it on? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Along with Eleanor Rigby. I thought it was on Help, not that Help. Um, oh, oh. Pepper for some reason. No, it's not. It's on this yeah. one. I, I, yeah. I, oh, I know something else about this song. I looked up. Um, I because I, I was looking up. I was doing some research on the song before I did. But uh, I can hear app- you typing. Apparently. You're doing it now. <laughs> I'm not typing. No, that's I've someone else. I've heard you typing. That's someone else's keys. I am not typing at all. It's all coming from my head. Um, it, it, so it, I guess it was called the Void. John Lennon wanted to call it the Void, but that's too negative for all the fans. So it, many times they would borrow things that Ringo said. He said it's a hard day's night, and so they turned that into a you know into a song. And Ringo said tomorrow never knows. So John Lennon just coined that from Ringo. It's good so to know that he Ringo, contributed something to the positive. To the yeah, <laughs> he did. He did at least one song underrated. Album, didn't he? Uh, he gets Ringo was great. And, and Thomas he was, the Tank Engine was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what did he well, do, Thomas the Tank Engine? He did. Uh, he was the voice. Yeah, yeah I didn't know that. Oh my he was, god, he was uh, Thomas is pulling into the station. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't a bad impression. Oh my god! Yeah, the first uh, when Thomas the Tank Engine first appeared on uh, British television, it was Ringo Starr. Star, yeah. First two seasons. I did not know that. Absolutely fucking brilliant it is. It's worth well, watching just for his Ringo had an audio, really, didn't he? He was, he was quite overlooked. It's funny, because have anybody watched the Ron Howard documentary? No. Uh, the Beatles. I knew he was I know the documentary you mean. I think it's called Hot Days. No, Hot, I might be wrong. No, um, mm-hmm. Eight Days a Week. Eight yeah, Days a Week, yeah. yeah. On mm-hmm. that, there's a moment where they start talking about the band and how it all come together, because this is the early stage of the Beatles, before you get to the psychedelia and, and India and all that. And right. they spoke to... Paul McCartney about Ringo Starr and then replacing it's Pete Best wasn't it Pete Best yeah yeah replacing Pete Best with Ringo Starr and he said when he saw Ringo Starr he just got it he he, he got right. something he got that you know as you know this this is what this, well, do you know but, what? I just want to quash something now to all the people listening whoever who have ever said that Ringo Starr is not a good drummer and I know the Beatles you know the Beatles as a whole like John Lennon uh, I think it was a, an interview with John Lennon that said you know is is Ringo Starr the best drummer in the world and he, he he jokingly said he's not the best drummer in the band but Ringo Starr was the drummer in the Beatles because he was better than the original drummer and the reason he comes across simplistic is because the songs that they did didn't need anything right. fancy and he did exactly what was needed for each and every song and that's why each and every song became as popular and as famous as what they are because right. everybody did in that band exactly what they needed to do Ringo Starr was perfect for that band and he was a fantastic drummer and he Oh, he, he's yeah. even still good now. And I have to say, on this, the, this particular track, he'd outdone himself because it's the, 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 well, the drumming on some on this is, is amazing. In yeah, places. yeah, it's it's, it's droning sounding. Yeah, it's 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 and, and it's also what's interesting, like they're they're throwing Lennon's voice in the back. They're doing some cave thing with those droning drums, but you can still hear Lennon's voice the whole time. Hear everything he's singing, and then and then it's kind of weaving in and out of with those beats that Ringo's doing. I listened to this song on the way to work this morning, and he. he <laughs> I've been in a pretty weird place uh, in my head recently, and I've just been, you know, kind of been. Not always in a weird. I'm always in a weird place in my head, but I've been in an even weirder place lately, and. 
mm-hmm. you know, it's just like, and um, my, uh, I have a seven month old son who decided to wake up at three in the morning last night and kept us awake for an hour. Um, oh my. Well, I, I kind of dozed off to sleep. He kept Rachel awake for an hour. So I kind of woke up sort of, probably much how you're feeling now, Todd, kind of not, not really, <laughs> not, not really quite ready to face the day. Right. And I've kind of got all this stuff going on. I stuck this on. The first words I heard were, turn off your mind, relax and float down the stream. And I was like, yes, I think I might. Straight into yes. a tree. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was right. in the car when this came. I was, I was walking to work. I was, oh, uh, was, I, I was on foot, so yeah. I, yeah. Still woke up oh, in the lake, though. <laughs> I, did, I did walk into a lamppost, but yeah, but yeah that's uh, yeah. I did, yeah. I, I like that. That kind of it connected with me in that moment. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I love the Beatles. I, I, I love their psychedelic era. See, the, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is another thing about the Beatles. People don't realise how people only know the the popular early stuff like you know all mm-hmm. the strawberry fields and people don't realise how deep and how that they're a rabbit hole. The Beatles are a rabbit hole. But I, I, I particularly love all the um, all the psychedelic stuff. This to me made I am the Warrus look normal. <laughs> I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I, so I, it made me crave yeah. some LSD, but I I, I, I loved it. Hundred percent didn't masterpiece for me. Yeah, I think so. I, I I love the Beatles. Obviously not as much as Todd does, but I love the Beatles. And this one, <laughs> this one's escaped me, and I do like it. I yeah, think... yeah I, sh- I, sh- I should add that. I'd never heard of the song before. Did you guys ever watch uh, Mad Men? Did you ever watch that show, Mad Men? No, no. It's, on my, it's on my list of things to watch, but I haven't got. Around well, to he's, they're just trying to introduce the main guy to the Beatles, you know, and he doesn't get it at all. And it's a crazy. The, the episode ends. They play this song, and I was like, wow. He's it should probably a bad, be a bad place to start if you want to introduce them to the Beatles. To be honest, right? But then it's a new, it's a point of departure too for some, right? So I suppose yeah. I um, I played it to Rachel when I got home and I said, "What do you think of this? Is it a masterpiece?" And she kind of went, oh, "I've heard this before." And I said, "Yeah, but your parents are like the biggest Beatles fans in the world. Of course, yeah. you've heard it before. You've heard every Beatles." Song. I think it's a hidden masterpiece. I, I think it's a hidden masterpiece. Wait, oh, it's, well, relevant, it's a relevant one. I think but it is a hidden masterpiece yeah. because this is overlooked mainly probably because their other stuff always reaches the top 100 and all that crap and this is one mm-hmm. of them that's overlooked this is a turning point it's a moment yeah this is a, a do- moment in history yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so like you say Todd this is the first track this is the first track they recorded they knew what they were doing they, they knew how they changed their sound they I've, knew where they were going I've got to ask and they you put it the last song yes yeah. Yeah, the last song on the album mm-hmm. but the thing is they didn't They didn't. it's not like uh, what, what we'll do is we'll, we'll We'll bring them into it slowly, and we'll work our way into it. It's not. It's like no. This is our sound now. This is straight into it. So fucking hell. I've got to ask this you though, Todd. Before yes, we move yes. on from the Beatles, uh, as a Beatles mm-hmm. fan, do do you think Paul McCartney's still alive? <laughs> oh gosh. Is uh, was it William uh, Shepherd? That was later on Magic Mystery Tour, Magical Mystery Tour, right? Was that uh, when no, they took Paul's dead? No, was it the uh, what's it called? Abbey Road, was it? No, no, it wasn't Abbey no, Road. No, he appeared in Abbey Road. Abbey Road's got quite a few Lonely Hearts, in the album title. Lonely though, Hearts which, Club yeah. uh, band had, had references to it as well. Oh, Jesus. Okay. No, he's, he's perfectly fine and alive. Mm. I think he's dead. <laughs> 
No, but listen, listen. The, the two things, Ringo never gets credit for his drumming. He created the backbeat. And then Paul McCartney, really, he never gets credit for... He was introducing them many times to all this avant-garde stuff and the tape yeah. loops. And he never gets credit for that. You know, it's always John Lennon and George Harrison were the visionaries. But he, he was always going to these galleries and turning people on. I'm just trying to give Paul McCartney a little more credit. It wasn't just no, yesterday. Paul McCartney is you know. a musical... He, you know, I've, I've, I've watched him do some solo stuff. I don't, I don't think he got enough credit so for the... Billy Shears. I don't think he got enough credit for what he did yeah. with the Wings, to be honest, because the the mm-hmm. Wings was a fantastic band as well. Yeah. Did you? Uh, I mean, obviously, the references. They, they were an arena band. Yeah, they were classic. Yeah. You've only got to listen to the first twenty seconds of this song, and just you can hear Noel Gallagher's solo stuff all over this, particularly mm-hmm. the more recent stuff, and then, the, and more, then, the more recent album. For yeah. God's sake, the song, the song title, "Tomorrow Never Knows." It's in an Oasis song. <laughs> Anybody tell me which one? Yeah. Tomorrow Never Knows. What's the story, Morning Glory? Is it? Yeah. Tomorrow Never Knows, what he doesn't know. Oh, yes, of course. So, you know. It's in What's the Story, Morning Glory? It is, yeah. He he says, Tomorrow Never Knows, what to do. Tomorrow Never Knows, what to do. I just sang it and just forgot it. Yeah. 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 Mm hmm. Just before wow. you yeah, to the bridge before the, you get to the chorus. The thing is, everybody slags them off. I'm just another Beatles. But the thing is, that they would admit themselves. The mm. Beatles were a massive influence to who they mm. are. The, the biggest influence to that. Have anybody mm. seen Yesterday yet, the film Yesterday? No. no. About the no. Beatles being... No, I, I want to hear that after. Yeah, so this guy <clears throat> has a car accident, has a massive world power outage, and when he wakes up, the Beatles don't exist. So he coins their songs. Oh, I heard about starts, that, yeah. Yeah, it's really good. It's a really fun film. Mm-hmm. Don't go in there expecting a masterpiece, going and just enjoy the, the fun of it yeah cracking film so yeah with three votes All the right. Beatles Tomorrow Never Knows is a hidden masterpiece yes so Great. it is now wow. time for our forgotten yeah. classic wow. round <laughs> that was a long time you got to edit some one? of that out honest god these sections are the longest we've ever done uh, you got it it's because of me I'm sorry but you got to edit as long as you've enjoyed um, yourself that's the main thing have you got any plans yeah, uh, for today Todd <laughs> put them on hold no it's still I'm a teacher it's still summer for me ah uh, fair right, okay. yeah I have to go into town and we move on to the forgotten uh, classic round oh forgotten classic go for it forgotten so, uh, forgotten classic this week. Uh, what are you bringing for us, Todd? Uh, well, I'm <laughs> I'm doing a Prince. I'm doing a Sign of the Times. Um, is that the one that goes, don't... Sign of the Times is all mine, all mine. Sign of the Times is all mine. If it was Fog on the Time, yeah. no. Uh, <laughs> it was that. It has that kind of eighties. Oh, yeah, the electric one. Yeah, opening, and then it, it, it. I just, I think it's interesting as the lyrics are like, in France, a skinny man desi- died of a big disease with a little name. Ooh, AIDS, you know. And then um, by chance, his girlfriend came across a needle and did the same. They're very kind of dated lyrics. It talks about being in a gang called the Disciples. You know, I don't know, the Disciples just reminds me of the 80s or something, like Warriors or something. Like, yeah, you know, the Warriors. The Disciples, you they know, like all these different like somebody who would turn up in a Van Damme film. Warriors! Come out to play! Yeah, just, I don't know. That's, and, and so the song, and then it's like Hurricane Annie. I don't remember that, but, you know, it's one of the hurricanes rip people up. Then it, what did I like? The, my favorite was Sister... Ki- oh, no, that's terrible. That's sad, though. Sister Killed Her Baby. Um, 
Sending. No, uh, yeah, in oh. in September, my cousin tried reefer for the very oh, first time. Yeah. Now he's doing horse. It's June, so what? It, horse it, is it heroin. Thought, oh, it's, it's June. You know. It's like... But now, now, if, now, if it, now it would be like you know, my friend tried heroin, you know, <laughs> for the very first time, and now it's fentanyl, or you know, it's just the time seems so much um, more tame back then. Probably be yeah. Monday, although they weren't in England, or, and it, uh... and it's saying like a rocket ship explodes and everybody still wants to fly. You know, some say a man oh, ain't happy. Uh, is that the Columbus? In, no, that'd be before that, wouldn't it? That was the uh, space shuttle. Yeah, you know? that'd be on scene nine, wouldn't it? Yeah, so the whole song really is specific to a certain era. It's not really one you could play now. I can understand how that would be a forgotten classic then. That's why it's been lost in the past because it was done for that time. A specific time. A specific yeah, with specific time. pop culture references. Yeah, yeah. well, that uh, maybe I didn't, but that's, that's how I would understand it as a forgotten. It was, you know, not really relevant, relevant now, but at the time, it really seemed to capture something. It seems to me that you've now, looked further into this forgotten classic, further, uh, more deep than what we have. <laughs> I don't we just know. looked at We just looked at it as a song that was really good back then, that you don't hear very often now. But that was quite no, fucking deep. <laughs> I don't know if you guys ever even heard it over in England. I don't. You know, there are a lot of Prince songs that didn't well, make I, it over I mean, there. I'm not a huge Prince. Well, I, I know Purple Rain. That's about it. By Prince. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, I kind of I'm not familiar with Prince at all. And so when when I first saw it, I thought, well, I don't remember that. But then I was seven right. at the time. Well, so, there are a lot of songs that didn't make it over. Like talking, certain Talking Heads didn't make it over there. You know, um, this was just the first song. Over, yeah. No, but certain songs from the Talking yeah. Heads, yeah. like the final album I thought was incredible it didn't really have any hits like nothing but flowers and all these songs this song um, it, it was a double disc called Sign of Our Times and, and every song was completely different than the other one and I just thought it was you know amazing but and it was also uh, I think one of Prince's most uh, well received albums wasn't it yeah yeah it was after Paisley Park it was after I mean again like people are either into Prince or not you know but I saw Chris Rock on an interview and he was talking about there was a time where he was just cranking out incredible album after incredible album after incredible album and then they kind of dipped you know when it went into the Squiggle. 90s <laughs> when he changed yeah. his name and he started yeah when, no projection. really that's when he changed his name yeah it started to Kind of, you know, so, I stopped listening to him. Little fun fact. Eric Clapton was once interviewed and asked, what's it like being the best guitarist in the world? And Eric Clapton mm-hmm. replied to the interviewer, don't know, go and ask Prince. That's interesting he's, because... He's done that a lot though, Clapton. But, yes, but have, have you seen? Have you guys seen the Grammys when they play While My Guitar Gently Weeps? as a yes. tribute to George yeah, yeah. and because that is originally Eric Clapton playing the solo on the White Album and they gave it to Prince and is that the one where he, he chucks his guitar at the end just he, he, I think so but he falls back into the audience he yes. just rocks that song out so, so good and and so he's actually doing an Eric Clapton what Eric Clapton originally did and just taking it to a, a completely different level you know yeah, that was and it's one a of surprise. my favorite guitar solos ever that was yeah, watching him do that remember it's a surprise no one kind of expected it and suddenly Prince shows up there and just and ro- it's like four times as long the solo and just rocks it out you know yeah it's- 
you mean? Such Wayne, a good, yeah, such a good moment in music that is. Me and Wayne were coming yeah, to the really. music festival a couple of weeks ago. Where you mm. stopped. Uh, they kind of had, you know, kind of uh, original artists in the day, and then they finished off with tribute acts and uh, covers bands on the night. And they, uh, the one night, they had an eighties tribute band on who finished mm-hmm. with a cover of Purple Rain. And I just looked at Wayne. I guess. The test is going to be whether he can nail the guitar solo, and he, he absolutely nailed it, didn't he, Wayne? He was fucking. Oh, that's was, great! And the point, everybody was drunk by then. He didn't need to. He didn't need to put that much effort in, but he, he did. <laughs> he went. He went full like wow. fucking three and a half minutes yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was. It was phenomenal. It was really good. And but, I think Prince is overlooked in that aspect as well. People don't realise how good a musician he was. They just see him as this like pop artist from the eighties. But he was. Right. A, a, he's. A, an actual phenomenal musician and he produced pretty much most of his stuff himself obviously he worked right. with people but and he, he did right many times himself. he did all the right he did all the instruments many times on his songs incredible um, musician yeah but again yeah you either like him or you don't he's very kind of but binary you still got to but... appreciate what he did for music mm-hmm. it's just like it. it's just after you died and you go back to listen to a lot of that stuff some of the synth stuff is really too dated you know yes like it doesn't hold well some of it like other stuff from the Beatles or stuff holds well but then you get to some albums and do he just has a lot of stuff that doesn't completely um, translate to now or maybe oh, you, you know like heavy drum machine stuff and heavy but still he's still incredible but it's just but I think you know, even 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 though we look back at it now and think Jesus that, that that's dated it was brand new technology then it was first generation mm-hmm. I think he was trying to you know, think ahead, think something. think ahead. He was trying to pioneer. He was trying to innovate, if you like. And mm-hmm. I think maybe he did. You know, he influenced. He definitely influenced a lot of the music we have today. That you know doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily sound dated like that. But he pioneered. He moved it forward. He started something new, like the Beatles. Yeah. No, I've got to say, I don't and he was him. just a, he was just a kind of his own person and he didn't care you know he just did whatever he was kind of an extension of that David Bowie persona he just did whatever yeah and it's like like and, I said earlier that 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 solo that that we were talking about mm-hmm. one of my favorite parts it's just, it's just at the end everybody else is stood there and he just grabs that guitar and just throws it over it's just like nonplussed doesn't give a fuck just throws the guitar and fucks <laughs> yeah, off yeah it's brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But anyway, maybe I read too much into the uh, forgotten. But I think it. I, I think it's interesting how it. Not music doesn't always isn't always universal through the times. It can be stuck to some certain time, but then you know it it can still be good in its own right. It's quite interesting because I was listening to this again on my way to work this morning, um, along with, and, and I kind of like so I've been in this weird sort of weird headspace, and right. I kind of like I listened to the Beatles song, and it was all very much like oh, you know, empty your mind, enjoy you know, enjoy life, peace, tranquility, and then I get to this, and it's like the whole world's gone to shit. I know, <laughs> and it kind of kind of jolted me out of that. It was You're not going to be happy unless you truly die. Yes. It's kind of like going from the sauna into the ice cold water. It was exactly like that. I think you should have done the ice cold water first, maybe, and then, you know, the sauna. When I stuck it on, I kind of thought, I said, I'm not familiar with Prince, but I thought, I've heard this before, I recognise it. And then then it occurred to me, I haven't heard it before. um, I've just heard the the latest script album. Uh, uh, And they they have, the latest script album, they have so tried and failed to capture that sound. (laughs) 
it was just effortless for him, though. Like, yeah, this is what he should say. This is just another song he just cranked out, probably, you know, in a day or something, but it was just effortless for him for a while. You know, he could just, you know. For me, anything by Prince that is overlooked <laughs> is a hidden masterpiece. Anything. And really? the, for, for me, this has been over, overlooked. That's all, because it's a forgotten it's not, classic. Well, <laughs> yes. He could have applied to so, either out. So, unfortunately... <laughs> Look at now, now that you mentioned that, it changes everything. I, I don't remember the song, so I, can't, I, I never remembered it to forget it. It would have been but a brilliant no, hidden. It'd, it'd, seven it'd have been time. a fantastic hidden masterpiece. You were seven at the time. Mm, but I don't think a lot of people would remember this I in this can, country. I can swing it. For I, I was like 17, so it was really just driving around in my old uh, Volkswagen Rabbit, you know, with rusted out bottom and, you know, these cassette tapes. And I just listened to that over and over. That was incredible. What were you going to say, Wayne? I, I can swing it for you. So the album, Sign of the Times, got to number four in Britain and number one in America. Oh, did it? Yeah. And wow. the song, Sign of the Times, got to number three in America and number four in Britain. Sorry, number ten. Really? Yeah. So it made it wow. to the charts then? I mean, it, well, it, it made it. It, it thrived in the charts, you know. Yeah. 1987, it, it, to get to number ten it, is a massive achievement. It, it wasn't a winner. It didn't make it all the way. Based but... on the facts then, <laughs> rather than my own knowledge, I'd have to say, yeah, it's a hidden master. Uh, it's a forgotten classic. classic it is a forgotten I didn't realize it went that far. I mean, it was that's okay, interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement. It's a forgotten classic. One hundred percent FC for me. FC. It was. It, 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 this song. This song also came out before the album. I remembered it was the big teaser for the album. It came out like a month or so before, and you were like. Oh my gosh, what's it going to be like? You know, it was a good. I've just the rest out of the album is nothing like here, it. But... I've just figured out what you're doing. So yeah, I'm segueing it into the next. No, no, what, you, what you're doing is we've made you get up early. <laughs> so you're, you, we've made you get up really early in the morning. So you're going to make sure that we go to bed really late. I know. I'm here. sorry, God. <laughs> no, no, it's brilliant. It's perfect. Well, brilliant. well, speaking of a song coming out before an album, my song. And then... <laughs> <laughs> wait, for, wait, you, you've got a, you've got your own section in a minute. <laughs> I know I'm doing I'll say in a minute, it might be in about an hour. Let's just skip the intense I was drawing a musical challenge. It's not very good anyway. <laughs> I, was te- I was teasing I was treasing, teasing the transition. <laughs> Excellent. So uh Sign of the Times by Prince is a forgotten yes, class. Well done, Todd. So <laughs> can wow, we move on to my you. favourite round now? Yes. Intense hardcore on the musical challenge won't go. So, this is the section of the show where the week previous, I'd like to say week, or it was a couple of weeks previous, the previous guest would have challenged us to a genre, an unknown genre, a lesser known genre of music, mm-hmm. and then we have to go out and select a piece of music from that genre that we can say we like. So Neil's gone out and he's been challenged to find some bluegrass punk, and he's come back with something that's not that. So, <laughs> Neil, explain yourself! In my, in my defence, I did, I did struggle uh, a lot with this. I mean, I, I looked at the closest... I'm not even convinced bluegrass punk even exists. <laughs> <laughs> the closest I could find were, were, were bluegrass bands doing covers of things like The Kids Aren't Alright. And it, it, it just... Yeah, um, I, 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 I couldn't really find anything I liked. I settled on this, which is more bluegrass metal, really, but I think there are punkish elements in it. Because it's so aggressive, I think the bluegrass has been... Oh, yeah, the song uh, Freak Flag. 
like Boy Granny for Barrel. Yeah, and it, yeah, so it, it, there's punk elements in it. There is a bluegrass vibe underneath, but I think it gets hidden by the punk. There are there are violins and there are sort of bluegrass refrains under there somewhere. But yeah, I just I came across the band by accident. I just fell in love with them because it's it's a sort of folk metal band fronted by a bloke who dresses up as an old lady. It kind of put me in mind of the uh, the one of my favourite Monty Python sketches where uh, the Hell's Grannies. I don't know if you've ever seen it, where uh, the town gets terrorised by old ladies who go mad on pension day and steal balls of wool and things like that. <laughs> it's, it's absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. You, you YouTube Monty Python Health Grad. But yeah, it, uh, it put me in mind of that. And he was, you know, clearly don't take himself too seriously. But it, it was a bit mm-hmm. of fun. So uh, who wants to tear it to pieces first? Okay. Um... <laughs> Say there's elements of bluegrass in there because there's violin. I think that's like saying there's, there's elements of bluegrass in Vivaldi's work because he's got violin, lots of violin. I don't think the violin in it sounds bluegrass at all. I just think it's a bit of violin. Punk, I suppose there's punk element to it. Uh, I, th- I think it's more punk than bluegrass. I can't knock you because, like you say, uh, uh, it's not it's not an easy... Because I, I decided to have a look last week for some of uh, the discussion we had. It's... Yeah, it's a difficult genre to mm-hmm. to do anything with. I think you just need to find some bluegrass, angry angry bluegrass singers that are pissed off with the establishment. And there are a few of them out there, but it just comes across as normal bluegrass. I, I don't know. It's, it's a good it's, it's an okay song. Cause it's nothing new, nothing special, nothing stands out as fantastic. It's just what it is. It's, it's yeah. a bit of fun. It's a bit of fun, but it's it's not the genre that now Wayne. <laughs> um, yeah. What even is this? <laughs> Granny for Barrel. Uh, so I had a look at their them. They have fifty thousand. Uh, 57,000 monthly listens they got 24,000 streams of this song wow. they say they are a heavy band with a steampunk horror vibe uh, I look for other bands who come under the bluegrass punk and that's inverted commas and all I could find is a band called Greenland is Melting and Crazy Mountain Billies that's pretty much I've really struggled with it and it's exactly what you think it is it's bluegrass mixed with punk not very good for me hmm right. Todd um, yeah I didn't I didn't feel it was really bluegrass punk, I, I, but I'm from Kansas, so I've been exposed to a lot of bluegrass punk. So, you, so you've come across bluegrass punk. Yeah, bluegrass. The thing punk. we're struggling to find, you you've encountered it. Well, like I might, like I grew up with kids who played punk and jazz and all that stuff, and then suddenly in the 2000s, the well, no, even late 90s, the the acoustic music comes back, and then these people take their music and they, you know, they got a banjo, a mandolin, maybe some some big tank, some gas tank thing you're hitting, and they've got that energy of punk, you know, but it's on acoustic music. When you said big I'm, tank, I, then, I thought you meant like a military well, vehicle. <laughs> no, no, but there's like these guys from my old and i was looking they're still around split lip rayfield they're just absolutely incredible and they'll play really fast you know and then they'll slow down and they've been going since 1995 and they'll go quickly and fast they're extremely uh technical but they've still got that kind of attitude like they they carry the punk ethos to the acoustic out music and this this wasn't as acoustic this song 
But yeah, I should try to contact them. You guys should have split live Rayfield is absolutely incredible. They're, they're, yeah, they're really do, good. you should definitely send along uh, some of their work so we can actually find out what bluegrass punk actually sounds like. No, it's, cool. it's called, and again, they've been around since 1995 and they're they're always touring. It's like it's mandolin, banjo, and that the percussion thing, whatever it is, and it's just absolutely uh, dynamic. You know, really fast, really slow. The the banjo guy went to I went to high school with him, and he was a big jazz guitarist back then. You know, Eric Martis. So yeah, I'll try to I'll try to I'll try to pass them. And I, I looked them up. Yeah, they have a lot of. They're still around. Amazing. But I don't think this song fits into them. Um, or, or or sometimes they call it cow punk. They call it cow punk too. You know, like that's another word for it. All right. <laughs> Yeah. So um, yeah, Neil. Um, unfortunately, mate. Um, yeah, uh, it's not <laughs> one of them. Such you, is life. You, you did the best. You did the best you could. So we're going to move on then. Neil, take it away. So the final round of the show is our artist spotlight. Artist spotlight. Mm-hmm. Artist spotlight. Artist spotlight. So uh, that was, yeah, um, art- that was a hidden masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Todd. So uh, yes, uh, so our guest, um, I guess, on this week's show, um, Todd Warnermore. Mm-hmm. Is that how you referred to? Is that your stage name, Todd Warnermore, just Todd Moore? Well, just Todd Moore is just too plain, you know. And Warner is my middle name. So Makes when sense. I started writing back in the writing days, when I was trying to become a writer, I was Todd Warnermore, and I just, I just kept it through all my bands. But then, like people will review me and say, Todd Warner does. It. It's not Todd Warner. It's Todd, you know. <laughs> and uh, and it's, but it's just Todd. Todd Moore just sounds too. Todd Moore, you know, just just very, you know, two syllables. Todd Moore, you know, sounds like a, a Todd time. Warner Moore kind of. And and then when you're over and I, I lived in Budapest for six years and here they'd always go, oh, like Warner Brothers, you know. <laughs> and once you put like that, like a big movie studio in their their you know minds, your 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 name is bigger. <laughs> you guys had a delayed laugh there. That wasn't that good of a joke. All right. <laughs> At least you followed it up with that, as my. <laughs> so, t- tell us a bit about yourself, Todd, and your your musical journey. What what, what inspires you? A lot of stuff inspires me. I love many types of music. I much of my music is kind of a tribute to the music that affected me. I try to make I, this is my fourth album I'm working on in the last year, and I try to not make each album sound sound the same. So it's it's all produced by Oliver Wagner at Sound Theory Lab in um, Taiwan and he has a, a really good vision you know of what the music should sound like like we we share the same vision the 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 first album was kind of this eclectic mix you know that came out last June uh, you know two Junes ago and then this, the next one was Spark which is really like big and anthemic and then the last one was Love and Change which I came onto the show with Richie for which was kind of a stripped down acoustic and then this one is um Oh, it's bigger. This is grander. This is called Starry Sounds, this album. I'm really uh, excited about this one. I think it's good. Starry Sounds. I thought it's, when I was listening to it, what was the, what was the song that you uh, brought for the... Um... Starry Sounds. Starry Sounds, too. It's the same, the album and the song. No, you, when we did the Artist Lounge... Uh, oh, that was Song again. Universal. Song Universal. Yeah, and uh, completely different songs, of course. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's very different. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of threw me a bit. This one, I didn't know what... When it started off very slow, and I thought, is, is this going? And, and it really did pick up 
really well. And right. Yeah, it kind of went everywhere. It's hard for me to explain what I'm thinking. But it started off, and you, you think it's going somewhere, but it... it, it There's a so, definite progression kind of went, to it. Yeah, it kind of went There's somewhere else, and it progressed so well. Thanks. It's, it's meant to kind of catch you off guard once the... It did. ...guitars <laughs> come in. That's what it did. But, but then, then again, you're, it's, it's, it's hoping that someone's not going to skip through the song, because the first part is very, very intimate, and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, you know. So it kind of depends on patience from the listener at the beginning. Yeah. So what's the story behind the song? How did it come? How you know? How did it come to be? Oh, I was in Thailand on a beach where the tsunami hit back in 2003. But this song isn't necessarily about that tsunami. But it's you're watching these children, you know, building sandcastles, and then you think about how this tsunami just wiped everything out, you know, and how our lives are so fragile too, you know, how really all we have is this moment but then it's also just this incredible time to be alive you know if you don't read the media all the time and the insane stuff happening you know it's we're living in an amazing time so i was trying to create starry sounds this kind of one that puts the image of stars but then the sounds and these incredible sounds from the beginning of the universe and Okay, I'm getting way out there, but how do you write that down? How do you capture this this incredible, massive sound? Well, you can't, but you can try, you know? And you can also try to live your life and enjoy it to the fullest. So the song is really about about impermanence, how things, you know, you don't know what's going to happen next, but within each moment is this kind of universe i'm getting out there sorry but no not at all Carry so on. so so basically you got this tsunami that comes in wipes away all memory you know but then later on stuff's gonna grow back you know stuff's constantly generating and the final song of the album too returns to the starry sounds and the next song it returns to how like we have the origins of the you know universe in our hearts that you know they say all that stuff now it's kind of cliche that we're the same star matter is in us that's at the beginning of the universe but it's it's trying to in spite of the fact that we could all be gone tomorrow or something it's 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 stretching your days out you know and making them expansive anyway that's starry sounds yeah follow that up now this is dark shit this is this is yeah. right down the street. no it's not supposed to be dark it's supposed to be uh, light <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't it was very yeah it's interesting that we mentioned you mentioned an early rem uh, earlier because mm-hmm. I when I listened to it, I kind of got a bit of an early REM influence. It didn't, mm-hmm. I mean, it didn't get musically, it, it got that sort of gentle progression where we said before where it takes you off guard and goes somewhere that you don't expect it to go. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of thing I was thinking about. I mean, your voice doesn't sound anything like Michael Stoich, but he just he just put me in, in mind of that right sort of early, unpredictable. It, I think uh, the Flaming Lips would have influenced me a lot for this song, I think. Yeah. yeah. Or Mercury Rev, either one of those were. Um, but no, it's not meant to be dark. It's meant to be, you know, this this just light, this expansiveness in in spite of everything. You know how? Yeah, um, but maybe I said that wrong. It's kind of like um, the, the light, it's, it's the light within the dark type thing. Right. Um, yeah, which is kind of like a different approach. You've either got some people who are, who bring a message of you know nice message of light, or some people who are bring a dark mm-hmm. message. This is kind of like trying to bring a message of light within the dark. It's kind of like shit happens, but life will find a way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And you can stick that yes. on your web page for free. <laughs> I will, I will. That's a good quote to put at the top. Wayne, you're, but you're anyway. very quiet. What's that? Thank you. Oh, yeah, Wayne. So, I was, what, Wayne, Wayne's remained very quiet during this. Do you have anything to add? No, I'm just chilling. That's just chilling. Yeah. 
It's a relaxed state. That's what it is. I, I got... Um, even the conversation around your song is chilled way and chilled way. That, that is good. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this, so this song is a it's part of an album that's being released, is it? Yeah. And anyway, the rest of the album sounds nothing like it at all. Brilliant. Um, every song, <laughs> every song is completely different. You know. So. But what is an album but a collection of songs? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 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 It is. I mean, I say that some albums can, you know, be like a book. That can be a, a concept a, album. They can have a story from beginning to end, but usually mm-hmm. they're just a. But it's of this. Songs. This is a concept album, and a lot of the songs fit very neatly into it. You know, yeah, like I said, it it begins and ends on those little chime things. You know, a lot of stories through it. I think it's probably my best album I've written. You know, so you're gonna release. The album in gyps and jabs, or are you just gonna leave like uh, it'll one all or two come songs? out. The, no, it'll all come out the twenty fourth. Whole album. The whole yeah. album. Okay. Yeah, set to release. So, but yeah. talking to artists, there's lots of artists doing it different ways. It's like some artists they'll want to release each and every song individually and then release the album. But no. Yeah, yeah, I'm not always as you into that. Just want to that. get it out there. You've spent that much I, time. I just to, like... You spend that much time bleeding over it. You want to get it out there. A bit like a Netflix series. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. Though I, I like to get it out all, all out in a chunk so you can process so you can it. But it's not really. The, it's not the time of albums anymore. It's the time of singles. But I still yeah, like yeah. the the album feeling. Yeah. But then again, I suppose if you like you say it is a concept album, you you kind of need the album to be out there all in one go, don't you? So that so people can f- follow it through from beginning. To end. Yeah, exactly. Think of like "Wish You Were Here" were just released and just song by song, it wouldn't mm. fit, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's quite a different album than the the other ones, but uh, it's mostly acoustic, you know. It's mostly there are things that are the same, you know. So what comes after this? What comes? What what is the what is the few next year or two for Todd? Um, well, I'm working on the fifth album now, and that's I'm about four songs into that one, and that's turning out really well too that's gonna have a lot of three-part harmonies mostly throughout the album so i'm excited about that I think do you it's, collab uh, in any way with other vocalists or would you plan yeah to? yeah yeah i have leah the woman who sings with me sings on everything and mike my old bandmate sings with me and everything like i said has been done with oliver wagner and the sound theory labs and i have roberto diana i have all the same musicians on every album it's just like i said every album sounds yeah every album sounds completely different but like i said this one's going to be big i think it's good i mean not big like not successful anyway but i think it's it's a it's a it's a grand statement you know cool i look forward to hearing the great album um i was going to ask you about shows but if i remember right due to your location it's difficult for you to uh play your music yeah well frankly i don't really like playing in bars anymore because i don't like when people talk (laughs) and they're drinking and you know it's just for the acoustic music it's difficult and i'm kind of going deaf in one ear and it's i like playing in coffee shops but the problem about hong kong is the rent is that the most in the, the most expensive rent in the world so some little dive coffee shop can't survive you know which has music you just have starbucks and the pacific which is pacific is a asian chain you only have these chain coffee shops so there's not that coffee shop culture for playing that's what i liked you know that's a shame. Where people are, people are highly caffeinated watching your music you know <laughs> you know you don't get that anymore 
That's a shame. Well, if you uh, do, you, do you travel a lot? I remember you. You was over. Yes, in, uh, I do. When you were in Oxford, uh, what, yes, I was. I and I did play a show in Oxford in some bar with my old bandmates, and that was great. I mean, people just were completely quiet and watching us, you know, and that was really, really incredible. I'd like that'll probably be one of my last shows. It's I've just so kind of become like studio. Yeah, I will come over. I mean, but I mean he, in the near future I'm not going to play uh live that much. You know, I don't enjoy it. I enjoy the studio. I enjoy I think we talked last time. Obviously yeah, it's great yeah, with yeah. an audience in front of you, but if the audience is all drunk and just talking while you're playing yeah. That's not fun either. And that's a lot of that's kind of in Hong Kong, a lot of expats who just talk and drink. And we were in, maybe that wasn't a typical bar in Oxford, but it was all these people that came to watch music, but they were all completely quiet and listening, you know? Yeah. But, you know, I'm not, I, I'm not that sad about it. It's fine. I, I really enjoy making these songs. You're the kind of person that makes music for the love of making music. You don't want to take over the world. You don't want to make millions. You just enjoy music. You love music. And if you can touch right. people, that pleases you. Right. Because and I that's think the way I said, it should be. Right. And like I said, like maybe 150 years ago, people would be sitting in a living room and someone would be playing a guitar. And maybe that's all who will hear that song, you know, and it moves on. And now that we have mass communication, it doesn't necessarily have to mean your songs need to reach millions. You know, you can, if you affect just a few people, People, it's great you know and, and i get the occasional email and everything by someone who really like was affected by a song you know it's great yeah well i think uh, you got anything to add to that wayne you do need to pick an intense type of genre musical we do yes oh that's down to you todd do you have any okay. suggestions todd do you have for any suggestions uh, yeah. intense hardcore genre musical challenge mode go next uh, next episode intense hardcore so just pick a genre just a really obscure genre or do you want to okay. pick one from the Bible? Pick a letter from the Bible. We have a, we have a genre Bible. Let's see. Maybe some soul music. How about that? Soul, soul. music? Wow, I don't know. I just new. thought of that. I just I thought of something that came off the top of my head. Let's, yeah, let's just have a look in the Bible. Well, then see if there's any you have to find, of you find the You find the subgenre of soul, you know. Yeah. Let's have a look. Um... A subgenre of the soul would be the spirit, I think. Hey! No, just me? Okay. Ah, okay, here we go. Soul blues, soul jazz, soul music. Soul funk? No, no, just those three. There should be a soul, soul funk. Soul blues, soul jazz, or soul music. I think Neil deserves soul jazz. I think it... It's, it's not for me. I, I did the... Um, no, I, I, I did the bluegrass punk badly. <laughs> it's for Rich. Okay, then, so... Soul... soul soul blues soul blues soul jazz or soul what soul soul, oh, soul. <laughs> you choose one so, uh, Todd which one um soul you said soul jazz you yeah. did say that yeah what is that okay do soul jazz oh yeah I is that like jazz. smooth jazz is we'll like find out. Jazz? I don't know. We shall find out. So Richie's challenge for next week is soul jazz. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. My head to head, Blake. You can bring that again. Harvest Blake, Harvest Blake, and Co will probably fall under that. Just bring it again. I'll just bring another song of theirs. Right. Awesome. So there you go. All right. Fantastic. Close it, Neil. Close it. Well, we've been You Haven't Heard This Music podcast. We've been talking to Todd Warner more. It's been emotional. <laughs> it's been emotional. <laughs> so all it's... it remains to say is thank you for listening. If indeed. You still are. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> Bye, guys.
The new tomato pesto grilled cheese sandwich from Dunkin' has more of the ingredients you love. Oven-roasted tomatoes, vine-ripened and perfectly seasoned. And delicious pesto spread with melted white cheddar cheese on toasted sourdough bread that will help you get more out of every bite. And we'll have you wishing for a few more bites once you're done. And no, I'm not sharing mine. The new tomato pesto grilled cheese sandwich. America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Additional charges may apply. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.